Welcome to the Mouse and Castle. This is a gathering place for fans of all things Disney. So sit back, chow down, have some sips, and chit chat about the magical world created by Walt Disney. Hey guys, welcome back to the Mouse and Castle podcast. I'm your host, Riley Blanton. Happy to have you here as we talk all things Disney. Let's bring him in. It's my co-host, Mr. Aaron Goins. How's it going, Aaron? It's going great, Riley. Going Let's great. Talk some Disney. Yep, it is early in the morning there, late in the evening here, as we do, um, and we are ready to talk some Disney. So I'm excited, man. And it is um, it's a jam-packed show. I was putting together some notes, um, and I Lots feel like of fun little topics. There is, and there's been a lot of, I feel like, stuff brewing in the Disney Parks community in particular. And so there's been some smaller stories that I think we might be able to pull some larger narratives out, or at least just wildly speculate like we do. Um, so I'm excited to, to, to talk all things Disney with you. So I, if you don't mind, Aaron, I just want to dig straight in and just ask, so what do you think of Bob Chapek? <laughs> <laughs> right off the bat, you know, 30 seconds in the show, go. Opinion on Bob number two, Bob 2.0. I'm not, I don't have a strong opinion about him, honestly. Like, that makes you know, the only person on I the know, internet. I was going to say, I feel like everyone does, and it seems like a lot of hate is kind of mm. directed toward him, but for whatever reason, I don't know. I, I guess I try to look at things from a perspective of, you know, a professional when, when yeah. you're in any kind of professional world, the yeah. people I work with, I don't know what somebody's going through daily. I don't know what the, all their responsibilities are. I can guess. I can like kind of criticize. I can say, oh, they could do their job better. But I mean, come on. The job that he has to do and the time that he like the pandemic hit, all of this stuff, trying to follow, you know, who he had to follow. I don't know. I try to give him a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt. Mm. And so I think a lot of people want to kind of just lay all the blame on him. It's easy. It's an easy target because it's like, yeah. oh, the new guy, he's doing things different. Let's mm. blame everything on him. And I, I um, obviously that's not the case. Any big corporation, there's not one person that's necessarily responsible for yeah. all the, the bad things. So and I and honestly, I don't do I don't take a lot of time to even look into kind of all the criticism and why people don't like him or what they think he's doing wrong. The business side of Disney doesn't tend to be what I focus on as much. I'm kind of more, you know, end product consumer. Yeah, and I, I know I'm more of the sort of like, uh, if, if if we were, if this were a sports show, I would be the stats nerd. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you would be like analyzing sort of just like the emotional state of the players during the game. <laughs> that would be, but this is not a sports podcast, but since I am the resident stats nerd, the the reason I just dove right into the Chapek thing is because we don't, we haven't really talked about like Disney leadership and decision-making recently. And I, we joked the other week when we came back after a long, far too long hiatus, because we like our entire hiatus was during the most controversial portions of the 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 Disney uh, interactions with Reedy Creek and the Florida legislature and like we, we literally just like paused and skipped that entire chapter. But I, I did this this popped up recently in the New York Times and I thought it was worth um, uh, at least discussing because I think it sets a context because I I think I have a, I finally developed a hot take on on Bob 2.0. I haven't had one. I've, I'm like you. I don't I haven't really had a strong opinion recently. 
But um, this Let's popped up recently. <laughs> right. um, so uh, Disney fired Peter Rice, uh, who's a top executive, um, and and had come to be seen evidently um, as sort of a potential like down the road future replacement uh, or future CEO, I guess. And um, he he's basically the chairman of the entire. Let's see, what was his? Yeah, Mr. Chairman of Disney General Entertainment Content. So this is ABC, Disney Channel, Disney Plus, Hulu, FX, everything. So he's like the dude. Um, and he had just renewed his contract uh, f- a few months ago, and he was unceremoniously fired. And so those who kind of look for narrative are like, yep, it's uh, he was too much of a threat. He seems to be popular in Hollywood, and, and, and he's out. He's out. And then on the heels of this announcement was the news that um, Bob Chapek's t- uh, term as CEO was renewed. So he's going three more years. Because evidently that seems to be pretty standard, uh, like a three-year CEO contract. So I say all that to say it's it's really interesting to me because I think from a uh, Parks perspective, this is actually good news. And I find this, you know, I, I hear you. I just heard a, 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 the great sound of many Disney fans listening to this right now. Uh, but but hear me out, Aaron. What I've what I've noticed about the, the, the Chapek era is because we're all very mature on the internet – when people call him Bob Chipek, it's because of the cuts he's made to the parks, um, which is a, a very real reality. It's actually stuff that he had done as the, you know, basically executive in charge of the parks before he was the overall CEO. And it was marked by some pretty significant cuts. And he essentially gutted Imagineering out of necessity during covid and as, as it was part responsible for this large and, and sometimes I, I feel like I hope I'm not talking down, but I'm walking through these these sort of I feel like I'm a lawyer walking through the facts of the case. But I think it's important it's to remind you. It's if you, helpful if you because don't remember like I said mm-hmm. I don't I don't really follow it that closely. So you're saying these things like, Oh, he cut imagineering. I'm like, Oh, screw that guy. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> but the the big thing was um the the move of imagineering a lot of the positions, most of the positions in um uh, Hollywood were being moved to this new development in in Central Florida. The, the new Disney office space is going to be cheaper to operate. They'll be closer to the main parks, consolidation. Uh, but, of course, that's been the heart of a lot of Imagineering near, near the original Disneyland. And so they're losing a lot of talent, a lot of people who weren't willing to make that move, which is understandable. So that's sort of the context where I, I feel like imagine if you're someone who's really into the Imagineering side or part of the Imagineering community or a big fan of the parks and you've seen these cuts um, and you've seen like maybe a lack of ambition that you would want to see in some of these projects, especially as much as the Epcot projects were, were cut down. I can see why that's disappointing. But the thing is, is if Chapek by all reputation is a very fiscally oriented, responsible suit and tie kind of guy. And if that's the case, I want to bring forward your honor, your, your honor, if I may present the evidence of, the, <laughs> of this case. If you're quote unquote cheap and motivated by money, I say this is good news because the parks are driving most of the operating revenue of the company. I'll say that again. The parks, not not Disney Plus. That's a money hole right now. <laughs> but 33% of the gross revenue, 
I, yes, I Googled this guy, sorry. But 33% of the gross revenue and 66% of the Q1 operating revenue, so like what the money's at, the money that they're receiving and spending to keep the company going, 60, two thirds of it is coming from the parks in Q1 this year when they released the first quarter numbers. I Googled it just to lay out. I'm just curious, like how much? And it, so if you're Chapek, you're gonna invest in the thing that makes money. And I think that there's a lot of potential here um, uh, that, that the numbers won't lie and investing in the parks and expanding in the parks and looking at what Universal's doing to expand to a third park and continue to challenge uh, Disney is good because I think that makes you know Central Florida competitive and in the same way that Disney maybe had rested on their laurels creatively in terms of Imagineering before Harry Potter and then really kicked it into high gear with Toy Story Land and Galaxy's Edge, I think that, that that tit for tat is going to continue. So that's sort of my, I guess, facts of the case and first take. Aaron, I'd, I'd be curious to see, because now, now I've brought it back to where you're in. In, a, in terms of parks investments, do you actually think this might be a good a good thing? I, I mean, I believe you. <laughs> you did all the research. So I'll I, take I, your word for it. I, I, I take your word for it, yeah. Um, I do. I will give a little bit of a hot take on Disney fans. Yeah, you know, us me. being Disney fans, but I, I feel like there's a certain type of Disney fan mm. online, and it's not just Disney; it's everything. Yeah, uh, and people think they know more than they know, and they think they have it all figured out. And I always think it's funny when people are proven completely wrong. Yeah, where Bob Chapek is an example where people are like, "Oh, he's doing a horrible job. He they can't get him yeah. out of there fast enough." You know, he's going to get replaced by this person. He's going to get replaced by that person. He's going to get fired. And then they renew his contract for three more years. So obviously, whoever the powers that be that make those decisions think he's doing a good enough job and yeah. are extending his contract. Same thing happened with uh, Kathleen Kennedy. Yep. The Star Wars mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, I was every, very close to us Star Wars fans. <laughs> every yeah. Star Wars fan out there that didn't like her was convinced that it was just a matter of time until she was replaced. She's ruining Star Wars. She's going to get replaced. Then they renewed her contract. Like, you don't know what you're talking about most of the time, unless you are really, really on the inside and are part of these conversations, yeah. which most fans online aren't. There's just no, a lot not. of speculation. They get caught up in their echo chambers and they think they all convince each other, you know, hey, oh, Bob Chapek, he's he's out of there. You know, and nope, he's still he's going to be around for a little bit. So three more years, three more years. And I'm not, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm, a, I'm a big fan of his. Like I said, sure. I don't pay, I don't pay a ton of attention to the business side of things. Yeah, but I also, well, think I mean, that people in the position that he's in, and from the far away view that I do have, yeah, it feels like he's doing what he can do with what he's been given. You know, given and, you know the time of per- the, the period of time that he got it. And everything that, I mean, think about what happened to the parks, you know, when the pandemic hit, you literally had to shut down every single Disney park across the world for the first time ever, maybe. And by the way, those shutdowns continue across the international uh, parks uh, consistently. So it's not like that, those streams of revenue are shutting down steadily too. Yeah. So, I mean, I always, I guess I just tend to give people the benefit of the doubt. Not that, not that I can't see if somebody just sucks at their job. I don't necessarily think that he falls in that category sure I, and i think certainly the board doesn't think so because it was a unanimous vote and the the, the chairman of the board 
released the statement saying they they weren't like and we like him and we're gonna do great everybody's great like they actually directly talked to the the chairman of the board again i I had to like reference the article here um directly quoted disney was dealt a tough hand by the pandemic yet bob with bob at the helm our business from the parks to streaming not only weathered the storm but emerged in a position of strength susan arnold chairman of the board um so they know they know that it was a tough time and they're evaluating him not based on like was he able to keep the status quo despite all the changes? Because that was impossible. That's an impossible task. Um, but can he actually bring bring the company out of it financially? Okay. And I was wondering. I, I honestly had question considering how much revenue that we just quoted comes from the parks, how much they depend on that, and how long they were shut down. The fact that we didn't lose like every major project seems like a miracle. Like. If you ask me, I'm I'm pretty happy about that. But I'm hoping that uh, Chapek, if he's a traditional guy, he doesn't have to be, the CEO doesn't have to be the creative guy. But if he sees that, hey, the parks are what's generating revenue and that's becoming a central part of this company, um, I could definitely see them pulling back on some of the money that they've sunk into Disney Plus, which, uh, because that's, that while that is like the future of their entertainment, it's not going to hit parks revenue, not even close. Right. And it, for a long time and it comes down to what's the end product right like is there still a good quality end product i went to i've been to disney a number of times since chapik took over yeah and you know during the pandemic there were definitely some obvious things you know with everything the environment of yeah. disney the masking the smaller crowds the you know the staffing you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of the staff just wasn't there. And I did see some things that impacted that. But in the end, the number of times that I've been to both Disney World and Disneyland, I still had an amazing time, you know, even though maybe some of those rides didn't open that I wanted to see or some of the, yeah. you know, some of the projects were put on pause. But I, I never went there and felt like, oh, man, Disney just is horrible now. Like the experience is just bad. Like I never felt yeah. that I had an amazing time every time it's, I went. So they're doing I do, something I think right. It's almost like I think in the pan, the pandemic era and 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 I think Disney over the historically I think Disney's had times where they've sort of fallen short creatively and then they come back. Like California Adventure is a perfect example, and they're the first to admit even in their own like documentary series on Disney Plus, California Adventure they weren't ambitious enough and they were cutting costs, cutting corners, and what turned out was they just opened a not as cool park next to the cool Disneyland. So nobody went there and they recognized that and overcame it. And California adventure now is, as, as you and I have both talked about, probably the most overrated Disney park of all of underrated. them. It's amazing. You just trashed California adventure. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> now I am turning into the, the Twitter troll <laughs> talking about all things Disney. So I'm, 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 I'm taking this optimistic spin. I think hopefully it, it, it means good things. Um, I, and I do, I absolutely, I don't think as a Disney fan, uh, Universal opening a third park in Orlando is really good news. Um, yeah. And I think that gets to, I'll touch briefly on this uh, and then I'll get out of the stats nerd stuff. Cause speaking of, I'm also a transportation nerd and there was some interesting news. Uh, stick with me, Aaron, uh, on Brightline, which is the, um, of course, the rapid rail transit system the state of Florida is building. It's already operating between uh, Miami and a little bit up the coast of central Florida. They have already built it up. I want to say, good Lord. Uh, it's all the way up through central and it's um, negotiating tracks to Orlando and then cutting back down to Tampa. It's the 
the first and only private rail transportation project in 100 years in the United States. As a train nerd, it makes me very excited. Uh, I love seeing this kind of investment. Uh, but a big part of it has been this debate about like how it's going to actually route through Orlando. And while I get like while this is very transportation train nerd talk, it the the big question is of course Disney. Um, going through, uh, cutting across south of the main part of the city was going to be cheaper, and Disney was going to have a station at Disney Springs. You could easily hop there. It'd be really easy. Um, but Universal and pretty much every other major business, including the Orange County Convention Center and a bunch of others on iDrive, like, um, I excuse me, um, if you're going to build a giant, very expensive, first-in-the-two-generation transportation project, through the city, maybe hit a few other businesses. And, um, and so they've actually adopted the secondary plan um, and Disney promptly pulled out of the, uh, of the negotiations. They released a statement publicly saying, yeah, we're no longer part of this and we don't anticipate a station at Disney. So I'm, I'm disappointed uh, that that is not the case. Because again, I think that's more, it's probably because it's freaking expensive and they don't have the money right now. I could definitely see that. Um, and, and because it's a private enterprise, Brightline is not a state-owned or subsidized uh, entity. So they're having to negotiate for all the property in the state that they need. And any private land has to be donated. So like Disney working with them is a large cost. Um, so I, I get that, but I think it's short-sighted short -sighted of them. And it's, again, one of those things where I think Disney goes through these cycles where if the smart thing long-term would be to invest in and become a partner in this giant, really awesome project in the state of Florida. But as we also know, you know, tensions between the state government and the corporation of Disney is not exactly great right now. So I could see that maybe playing a role too. But I think my, my larger point is that it would be really nice if, if they sort of saw the, the long-term benefits. Uh, but I think they just think uh, the, the, the Disney crowd is too loyal. They won't, they, they'll still take an Uber from the airport and it'll be fine, you know? Right. I mean, they don't have any problems getting people to the parks. Yeah. You know, the parks are packed. You know, it's not like attendance is necessarily down unless they force it to be down. So yeah. I think you're right about that. They're probably not concerned like, oh, well, if we don't do this, we're just going to, we're missing out on, you know, all these other people that could come to our parks. Like they get, people are going to come to the parks. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a train nerd like you're calling yourself, but <laughs> you know, I like a good train ride. Like I live, I live, I was in say, a, you're in Philly. Yeah. I live right. out just outside of Philly. I like to take the, I live, you know, just a couple miles from a, a train station here. I can hop on the train, take it into the city. Uh, it's actually a preferred method to get into yeah. the city for me rather than sitting in traffic. Uh, and I like the idea because, you know, going to Orlando, getting at the airport, you know, you either rent a car. Magical Express isn't a thing anymore. Not that I ever liked it. I thought. Oh, I, but people are people were ticked off when I, don't know. I the diehards. You know, I get it, whatever. But I just never understood the appeal. It's always what's funny is for people who are ranting about the the cuts that uh, Disney has made recently. That's always the punctuation. That's like the period exclamation point at the end of the sentence. And they took away the Magical Express. Right? How dare they? How dare Screw they take my three-hour ride from the airport that has to stop at multiple resorts till they get to mine? Uh, <laughs> I just didn't get it. I, that... <laughs> but I digress. The but getting to wherever you're getting to at Disney, you know, 
you had a few options and then it would have been nice to have that option to jump on a train and take it to Disney Springs. That would have been kind of cool. But for me personally, not, it's not really going to impact me that much because I tend to be someone who just, I like to rent a car. I like to be in control of my own travel. I don't like to rely on public transportation a lot when it comes to Disney. Uh, So I probably wouldn't have utilized it anyways. So because you're the t- for me, I don't care. <laughs> but- <laughs> well, you're you're a good typical use case because you like to take your family to Disney. But when you go on occasion every year, every other year with the family, you're fine renting a car because you've been saving for it, planning your Disney trip because it's it's Disney World. And that's how people go to Disney World. Um, and I think they look at the numbers and they know that they know that it's not like going to make a huge difference. I think it's missing out on the opportunity to make um, Central Florida and Florida in general a local park because if you have a high-speed rail connecting pretty much every city up along the the east coast of florida from miami northward all the way to a disney park and it's a a low-cost high-speed train where you can get there fast suddenly the rest of the state of florida can access the park uh, access access the park (laughs) that's that's a good point i think for you know for florida residents that don't live necessarily near a disney park but they live in another city that's a few hours away it would have been yeah. a nice option for sure. I'll probably, uh, listen. By the time I retire from the military, it's probably going to be in Tampa, and I'll I, and hopefully by then they'll finally have the train operating, and there will be a stop at, at at Disney by that time. So you can just hop on the train, head up yeah. to Disney World. <laughs> it could be. It sounds like it's something that I don't know the reasons why Disney is pulling out. I think there's a lot of speculation. I read an article about it. it this guy, I forget the name of the guy who wrote the article. Basically, he was just trashing Disney and saying, oh, they're throwing a t- temper tantrum because Universal got included. I don't know if that's the reason. That, that could be part of it. It could be also yeah. financially, you know, financial considerations. And it could just be a negotiating tactic. You know, they could say, oh, we're not going to exactly. do this anymore. And then they suddenly get a better deal because they really, you know, this, you know, Brightline really wants to connect to disney because it's going to bring them more business i was going to say you know who's going to buy a lot of tickets on that train is if it has a disney stop you know yeah exactly it's going to it's more lucrative for brightline than it is for disney for this to go through it probably i mean honestly yeah so i think that this could just be a negotiating tactic in a week from now we could be talking about how oh wait spoke too soon disney's back on board and they got a better deal so yeah, because and these things take forever. So there's a lot that can happen between now. Like the the construction's been, I mean, and Brightline's been moving fast by by industry standards. But the, this has been under heavy construction for like two, three years at this point. So, um, but yeah, well, you know what? They do have the opportunity to make up some revenue though, because we've been talking about how how much Disney struggled during the pandemic, and I think one of that is all of the. Uh, plane tickets they're selling for this grand world tour. I'm calling oh, it the real world Soren. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just basically, um, basically Disney's uh, private jet tour of the world, hitting every single Disney park that cost a measly one hundred and nine thousand dollars. Yeah, just add it to the list, right? Of like luxury Disney, the way you know. I guess they're. There is the Disney option for rich people, for very rich people. And so, this is this is like to me, this sounds like the craziest. Like this is the biggest like uh flex that you can make <laughs> if you're a big Disney fan. Like, oh yeah, I did the uh I did the all parks around the world, you know, hundred and ten thousand dollar trip last year. Uh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, you know, that's not catered to you or I or anyone I know. No, um, I don't no even sir. know. Like, 
even celebrities would probably have a hard time being like, oh, do I really want to spend 110 grand on on doing this? So it's this is like elite of the elite that are going to be buying this stuff. Yeah. And it did sell out, didn't it? (laughs) I heard. And that was really the big news. So you and I were texting back and forth when this news first broke. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's going to sell out, right? And they're like, yeah. But not only did it sell out, it sold out before they even released the tickets to the general public because they did like a phased release system where basically they released it to, who was it? Like um, it was people who'd been on previous Adventures by Disney. So if you'd already done Adventure by Disney, they get you were in that window. You could book, and then oh yep, um, residents of Golden Oaks. Ah, uh, uh, there you go. Yeah. That's Makes who bought sense. it up. <laughs> it's like, oh, you um, bought so a, was... you bought one of our five million dollar homes. Would you like to take this trip around the world as well? For just a measly one hundred and ten G's. Come on. Uh, I wonder how much, yeah, I was going to say, I, I could do quick, some quick Googling on how much a house at Golden Oaks costs. I think they I are. I, I've, I've looked it up. I think you're... Isn't it like, a mi- like less than a mile from the front gate of Magic Kingdom or something like that? It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, Sounds. it's definitely on Disney property. And it's, they are, I think the cheapest house I saw in there was in the like, you know, 3 million range. But I think they're all, you know, that and, and higher yeah uh, so yeah for the the corporate executives or whoever's owning these mm-hmm. properties the diehard disney fans that are just extremely wealthy the hundred and ten thousand dollar yeah oh here we go like a, oh that's like an annual bonus for some of these guys the five million fourteen million nine million yeah mm. yeah they, these are the people that are going on this that booked this all five seventy five <laughs> filled spot. it up yeah it's over it's it's full that you and i can't even pull our money now to do this yeah, yeah. what's well, interesting because and this is where i think people we i talked at the beginning of the show of trying to pull so, threading some narratives of different stories that have come together i actually think this is where it's tempting to say this is why disney's just for the elites and it's a bad sign and it sucks because they have they announced this and they also like a week later um they leaked the uh, i say leaked like uh, some some i think some influences or journalists i don't even know who got a hold of this exclusive experience that you can have on the new disney wish cruise where they're serving a five thousand dollar cocktail yeah um but it's not a cocktail it's like also a trip to skywalker ranch it's a star wars themed cocktail um, but it, it's like this bougie experience, but it's, it's $5,000. Oh, so I had stuff they've done, but they never talked about it publicly before. So, okay. I didn't realize that. So I had heard about the cocktail thing. Yeah. I didn't realize it. So it includes a trip to Skywalker Ranch. Are you being sarcastic? No, 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 no. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, no. So if you're wondering, so, so you're like, uh, so, uh, honey, what's, uh, what's in the uh, savings account? <laughs> it's called the Kyber, Kyber Crystal, right? Is so I, 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 I knew it would come up today because we were talking about Disney being cheap and also charging too much, but... <laughs> But, but yeah, so here's like a local, uh, yeah, channel six ABC, um, coverage. Here is what is in the $5,000 star Wars cocktails called the Kyber crystal, uh, named for an in-universe relic in star Wars. I don't know if you knew that Aaron. I I, I, I was aware. I've, I've heard of these things. I think I have one over here somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So they did a special sneak peek this week on the Disney Wish. And so this cocktail includes Camus uh, uh, Cognac 4, 4.16. I assume that's April 2016. Uh, let's see. Yuzu and Kumquat, Grand Manier, 
and three shots, one of each, of Pappy Van Winkle's Family Reserve 23-Year Bourbon, Taylor Kingsman's edition of old, Very Old Tawny Port, and Watanshi Gin. Okay, so a lot um, of really expensive alcohol. A lot of very expensive, but not $5,000. So it also yeah. comes with a special-themed escort off the ship uh, in addition to a visit to Skywalker Ranch, um, the countryside campus. Home okay. of Mastermind George Lucas. Okay, so the so. way that it the way that it was presented in all the like you know articles that I saw the headlines like oh Disney's charging five thousand dollars for a drink they're not charging five thousand dollars for a drink the drink is part of it uh, but yes. it's yes. you know there's a lot more to it. it's a, a whole experience you're paying for uh, that includes other perks so I'm not saying five thousand dollars is a reasonable price for something like that but at least it makes a little bit more sense when you kind of see what's what's all involved. Hmm. I mean, it is Skywalker Ranch. I've never it's, been to Skywalker Ranch. Have it's, you? It's it's the mecca. It's the yeah, mecca. I mean, Star Wars. They made a whole movie about breaking into Skywalker Ranch. So, yeah. No, so. I think, and I guess my my point that I was alluding to right at the beginning of the story is that I think it's tempting to to fit these into a narrative of Disney being out of touch, announcing these really crazy expensive experiences. I think it's a good thing. I, I've said this before. I'll say this again. What Disney should do and what they've typically done a fairly good job of um, is offering Disney quality experiences across different price points. And it's always been expensive and it's gotten crazy expensive for the average American family. And that's just, that's just true. T uh, park prices. Um, it's, it's pricing out a lot of people, which is unfortunate. So I wish I do. I'm, I'm still going to, you know, double down and say, I really wish they could lean into making you know, the park access a little more accessible, perhaps even if you don't have money for all these extra experiences, but by all means, listen, charge, charge $300 to build a lightsaber, charge $5,000 for this drink, charge $100,000 for a private jet trip. I think it's, I think it's great. And I'm sure they will offer and people who spent that money will be happy. They did. They will give the level of experience people expect when they spend those price points. So I, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Yeah. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing either. I think Disney recognizes that they have they have an audience that goes across the entire spectrum of you know income levels, and they recognize they have people who love Disney who are wealthy, and they want to give that premium experience. And if you can afford it, why not? You know, why not offer that? If so, I mean, obviously they sold it out right away. Yep. Uh, for the flight, and I'm sure these drinks will sell. And if it doesn't, what what is? I mean, it's not a big deal. This, the the alcohol will sit on the shelf a little bit longer, but. Uh, <laughs> become more valuable but i i mean i don't think it's a big issue it's not an indicator to me that disney's lost touch it's just more that disney's taken advantage of you know their their full audience no and i thought it was one of the smartest things they did was was the variable pricing based on season because it because um it initially i think it's caught up now but when they initially announced it there were parts of the year where it was cheaper than the normal disney ticket was um, and I thought that was a brilliant way to do it. Certainly, like all the busy times of year were more expensive. So it was a price increase in general. But uh, I think variable pricing based on season crowds, a very, very, very good idea. Yeah, I, I think I will say if I'm going to criticize anything, I do think mm -hmm. Disney, you know, the getting to the parks and getting, you know, just getting a regular, you know, day ticket to a park is very expensive now. And yeah. I do wish that is one thing I wish that they would maybe reevaluate some of the cost of that. And then the, you know, the, the things like Disney plus or genie plus where, you know, you have to pay the extra 
I, I do think that maybe there were some missteps there where there was an opportunity where they could have some free options included where like the first couple, you know, you could make three reservations for free and then anything beyond that is considered yeah. two plus, you know, something like that where they're not, it, it did it feel, would help with the goodwill. Yes. And I could see why people were perturbed by it. And um, I think Disney could have maybe made a couple of more strategic decisions around that stuff to not feel like it's really pricing people out, but you know, obviously they, they're a business that's designed to make money and they've, they're pretty good at it. It seems like. Yeah. <laughs> and, no, it's obvious they've made the calculation of, they know that they will still hit the level. The attendance will not drop. And they've known that as they've raised prices, attendance hasn't dropped. So they can, and since they can, they are. And that's, and I think that's the right financial decision, but from a goodwill and a community standpoint, I think, um, they're, they're long-term things that I think uh, can can help the the brand. Because I think if, if anything, Disney as a brand has suffered because of the some of the decisions they've made and also by the reality of the world in which we live, which is a much more hyper-politicized and much louder like social media era. You just live, every, criticism is much more vocal and much more visible uh, now. And so that's just, I think that's a natural part of it as well. <laughs> so you just can't, you can't really help that stuff. Uh, but they also, in, in some instances, haven't helped themselves either, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I totally agree. They're not perfect. Yeah. I got, I got one last story for you, man. We finally have the deets on, well, actually we have, I think the biggest thing is the name for the Splash Mountain retheme announced. Well, let's, yeah. Let's what? talk about something that's not controversial. Yeah, yeah, you know, we're just going to go out on like a normal note. Uh, announced two over two years ago, finally, we have details. Um, Imagineering um, released a YouTube video of them doing actually like a cultural Imagineering research trip. Which, by the way, what a great job! Like you're you're paid, you <laughs> you get paid, and you also get to go like on a trip and eat a bunch of food in Southern Louisiana. Come on! I know. I remember when I saw the they did something similar for Moana. Yes, I was like, man, how, that would have been a cool team to be on. Let's, go, the let's same all thing go to for, the um, tropical islands and. <laughs> like. <laughs> they did the same thing for Encanto. Encanto, they went down to Colombia yeah. to see Lin Manuel Miranda just partying it up, playing some guitar, eating some good, delicious food. Um, but yes, so they they did that. I won't play the whole video. Uh, we'll have a link to it in the show notes. But uh, it's official. It's Tiana's Bayou Adventure uh, is going to be the name, and it will be opening. I'm trying to remember, actually, I, I, I know they announced it at the end of the video. It opens late 24. There it is, yeah. Late yeah. 2024. There it is. Yeah. Uh, I got to ask, what, so first impression, what do you think of the name? And now that we kind of, we already sort of knew generally what the theme would be. Yeah. Um, so any surprises? Are you excited? Do you like the name? I want to hear um, your take. I th the name is a little underwhelming. I think like anything, you know, when you first hear you're like, okay, like, mm. I guess that's okay. Uh, yeah. I'm a Washington football fan. And so like, <laughs> I just went through the whole name change thing with them uh, and, yep, like, yep, yep. over the last few years. And just kind of like when you hear, when you finally hear it, all the build up, and you're like, that's what they went with. Okay. I guess I'll get used to it. <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel about this. I do. I was hoping, and I don't know how they would have pulled this off. It's easier said than done, but I was hoping that they would kind of can have some name that was a, like reminiscent of Splash Mountain mm. and have maybe like Tiana's 
I don't know, mountain adventure or splash mountain adventure. That's the problem. Like that. Not not a lot of mountains in the bayou. Yeah, <laughs> so. that's true. Um, but I think because like when you think of Disney Magic Kingdom or you think of Disneyland, you have those iconic rides that are mm. that are all kind of named that, right? You have Space yep. Mountain, you have Big Thunder Mountain, you have Splash Mountain. It's kind of like the trifecta of mountain rides. Yes. And I, I don't know. I just felt like it would have been kind of cool if they had been able to still maintain a similar name and just kind of retheme it to Tiana or retheme it to that movie, but still have the name be something mountain just so you don't lose that. But that's a really tiny kind of nitpick. The name is, you know, it's kind of like Frozen Ever After. It's okay. It it makes sense for the theme that they're going for. And, yeah. Um, it is an iconic ride that you know that has a lot of nostalgia for a lot of people and i think that i think as it's as we're getting closer to the retheme there is a little sadness in me mm. to think that that will now be gone now i get why it's changing and i understand that and i think you know a lot of people probably aren't even aware of until they yeah. were told you know i never saw i never saw song of the south i've never yeah. watched it you know mm. and I know my son has never seen it and he doesn't understand. So when we go to Disney, he loves going to Splash Mountain. And when I told him mm. it was changing, he was like, what? Why are they changing? It's such a cool ride. He loves the song. He loves the characters. He he doesn't get it, right? He doesn't yeah. understand the cultural significance of why it's changing. And so there is some sadness that the thing that it's changing. I get why uh, things need to move forward. And I think that anytime they're kind of uh, putting a fresh coat of paint or fresh face on on things at these parks, I think it's always a good thing in the end. But mm -hmm. there's a little bit of sadness. Yeah, even it it regardless of how you look at the the ride itself, it's investment in the park. It's it's not a new ride. I mean, I would be happier if some of the um, development in Epcot was still happening too. But it's still it's investment in the park, and that's a I think that's it. That's a good thing. Um, and I think Imagineering is going to be up for the challenge. I don't. Th I don't think Disney's going to do it where they just like swap out a bunch of the animatronics and that's it. Um, so I, I I expect some upgrades and some new technology no, they incorporated. They won't swap them out. It'll be the same ones. They'll just <laughs> repaint, <laughs> repainted. I mean, there you could still have the Bayou animals, right? Like you could you could probably make a case for some of those uh, sticking around. And I bet you know they probably will leave. There will be some element that they leave in there that it's kind of like a callback. You know, there'll be mm -hmm. a character that an animatronic that they leave or something that you can. So for future generations that go through, they can be like, fun fact. Did you know, you know, <laughs> that this ride used to be called Splash Mountain and that animatronic of that frog is from the original ride, you know, like that. They're mm -hmm. going to they'll do some of yeah. that kind of stuff, which will be cool. But um, Princess and the Frog has never been a top Disney movie for me. So yeah. the overall theming, I'm not like, I'm not super excited about, but there's plenty of stuff at Disney. Like I'm not a big fan of Avatar, but I love that area of the park. So mm, just, you know, yeah. as long as they do it well, that's all I care about. And I think they, I think they will. I expect that the ride will still be extremely fun to ride. Yeah. I just wish it would go with a new restaurant. That would be pretty sweet. If they could just like uh well so i was thinking about the disneyland so they're they're going all in on the new orleans you know this is supposed mm -hmm. to be like a new orleans themed yeah. thing the, the whole thing is like that she's getting ready for mardi gras is like the theme of the ride from the from the video they're watching so it'll be, it will be interesting to see how they incorporate like okay, why is there a big drop and all of that stuff and where you know you know kind of how it all works but i was trying to think about 
proximity. So at Disney World, it's in um, Frontierland, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how that works with New Orleans, I'm not sure. But then you have Disneyland, which it is also in Frontierland, but it's near-ish to New Orleans Square. So I I just I'd be curious to see how they kind of tie it into the everything around it and, it is, and how yeah, they like, make it make sense. I think because there I do think there are some there are some pretty cool opportunities. Uh, Maybe that, they talked about it in the I don't know if they talked about it in the. No, the I've heard so, some of the videos early on when they first announced it talked about some of the some of the opportunities that 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 we would have. But yeah, I don't know. So yeah. Cause I'm looking, and this is the other thing is I'm always, um, I'm always terrible at like spatially remembering what's where in the park. It's just never stick. Some people are like, Oh yeah, this is right next to, you know, it's right next to frontier land and it's just adjacent to the, I, for some reason it just never stick except for Hollywood studios. That's the one park I kind of know, like the back of my hand, the rest of them is still like to this day, I still, I still kind of struggle. So I'm cheating here. And yeah, I pulled you get the map the, up. I pulled the the map up because you know it works because basically as you branch off to the left and either go through Adventureland or or next to Adventureland, that's where it's it's literally smack between Adventureland and Frontierland uh, on, across from Tom Sawyer's Island. So the the Tom Sawyer's Island thing kind of works, if you ask me. Um, it's literally like Splash Mountains are literally almost right across from the the river cruise that you can yeah. take. Right. So I. I could because when you think of frontier, the frontier, frontier land, you don't necessarily mm-hmm. think of New Orleans. No, so but and it, but it is again. It's um, I don't I don't know. You really have to frontier. It's the weird thing because all right. So here, I'll, since I have the map up, it's always been a little odd to me how um, you've noticed it at at Disney World, particularly at Magic Kingdom, you have Adventureland. And if you go through all the pirate stuff, um, on the very far side, they have the, um, I think it's Pecos Bills. Yeah. What's, what's the Western yeah. restaurant? I forget what it's called. But they have that Western restaurant, which is very, very frontier land. But then you have to walk kind of by Tom Sawyer's Island and Splash Mountain, and then back into the other corner is frontier land. Um, so it's sort of like they really, they stretch the definitions because like, the, the Western restaurant is in Adventureland, not Frontierland, because Frontierland isn't that large and doesn't have a restaurant in it. So it's kind of a mishmash. Yeah, the, it, can, uh, it does overlap a little bit. You know, Advent, Adventure, Frontier. It's really, like, if you think about it, for Magic Kingdom, it's really the only slightly muddy theming in the entire park is the whole rest of the park, Tomorrowland, Fantasyland, all very consistent. Liberty Square, the theming is very consistent. Um, but it is so, and if anything, maybe that messiness gives them an opportunity, not just with the re-theme, but to kind of think about what other offerings, maybe not like a whole new restaurant, but certainly other entertainment or, um, smaller scale offerings that they can offer. That well, isn't be- the name, is it where now we're like, we're spending time on them talking about maps now. Uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> I can't think of a better way to end the show. By the, the name of the show, the name of the ride is Tiana's. Bayou Adventure? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I've got it. Yep. So Adventure is in the name, but it's not in Adventureland. It's in oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> so maybe the blending of Adventureland and Frontierland is, you know, apparent now that uh yeah, it's it is interesting. I guess it's it's one of those things where who cares? Like it's not that big a deal. <laughs> no, no, it's not. uh it does make 
you, you know, Disneyland is a little bit different. Disneyland Park does have an area called, mm-hmm. you know, um, New Orleans Square, and they have New Orleans themed restaurants there and kind of stuff like that. So still not right next to where Splash Mountain will be, but but pretty close. So there, you know, there's a connection there that I think makes a little bit more sense than it does in Magic Kingdom. But yeah, you know, in the end, who cares? Like as long as the ride is fun, they, they'll figure out all that theming stuff and how it oh, all connects sure. uh, on the map. You know, I always, I always thought that, here's a little parting shot for you. I always thought Splash Mountain was like this hallowed original attraction, and I didn't even realize until I was reading an article that it was it literally opened in 1989, uh, well after the park, like what, almost 10 years after the park had opened. Right, but I would say for for the generation of fans who are going to the parks now. Mm-hmm. It is right. Like 89 yeah. would have been, you know, I, I would be, you know, nine yeah. years old in 89. Mm-hmm. So that would have been perfect time for me to my childhood memories would include Splash Mountain um, yeah. for almost the entirety of the time that I would have gone to the parks. Now, I didn't I was a late bloomer, didn't go to the parks until I was I think the first time I went, I was 18. But ah. a lot of people of my generation, their first experiences at the park or early experiences of the park would have always included Splash Mountain. So yeah, there's mm-hmm. definitely fans out there that are older than us who would remember a time that it didn't exist. But sure, most of the people in their 30s, 40s, and younger, yeah. it's always been there. And I guess more unique because a lot of those OG rides at Disney World were rides at Disneyland, like already like well-established popular attractions at Disneyland. So it's certainly a hallmark in, the, in terms of the, the Florida side of things. Yeah, and I, I don't know if you noticed the artwork on my wall. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the, yeah. It's the original Disney Magic Kingdom map. So I was, I was going to say, I, I wasn't sure if it was Disneyland or uh, Magic Kingdom. Nice. Magic Kingdom and Epcot below it, but yeah, that's, nice. it's it's almost impossible to make out. But if, if you, you know are the map maps, nerd. <laughs> if you know the maps, uh, you would recognize kind of the, the color scheme and kind of the layout, but it's kind of hard to see on the video but if for anyone that wondered what that artwork was that's what those are there you go that's for our youtube channel yes exactly (laughs) which if you're not subscribed you know what that's a good you've transitioned us i think to our the the final part of the show we got to plug we know we got to plug the our sort of experiment from the last uh episode we um we dove in and started posting more of the podcast content across some of the other social platforms so including youtube you should subscribe mouse and castle if you just search for mouse and castle use the and sign don't spell it out and you'll find it'll be like the first result uh, you can subscribe to our youtube channel we're posting uh, highlights of the show uh, same thing on instagram and tiktok aaron you made us a tiktok we got a tiktok <laughs> you know tiktok oh man that's it's a fun that's a fun place right i Here's a secret. Let me, I have a confession. I probably shouldn't say this on the podcast, but I am. I typed, like, I was trying to think of sort of the the pitch, sort of the theme, the the idea of this show and what it should be. Because there's a lot of Disney podcasts, a lot of Disney fan content out there. And I was trying to think of what, kind of what unique way we could approach it and be interesting and be different. And one of the things I literally specifically drafted out in some notes, and I was, I was literally rereading this earlier today because I, I had this Google Doc I had long forgot about. And uh, one of them was like, we're uh, things that we are not <laughs> like things that we would do not want to be. And it was like, want to be Disney influencers on TikTok. <laughs> but yet here we are. 
Well, we are on TikTok, but I wouldn't say we're wannabe influencers. By we're not doing any uh, trendy dances, that's for sure. It's just, uh, it's basically still the two of us with our faces uh, vertical this time. (laughs) That's the difference. But I've had a lot of fun. I like the zoom ins. Yeah, I do. I do. Listen, I try to like make do some quick cuts to make things interesting. You know, gotta you gotta keep the the kids' attention. It's gotta go pow pow. It's gotta move fast. I sound like a car salesman from 1955. You just got to fast, pow, pow. That's what the kids are into. Um, but yes, yeah, so follow us on uh, TikTok. Is it just um, out at Mouse and Castle, I assume? TikTok? We're like, uh, oh, what is it? What did we call it? It's like- Oh, uh, you're right. We had, to, we had to come up with an alternative. And I remember it now because it took me, I was like, that's brilliant. The second you suggested it, it's at Disney Takes. Disney that's basically takes, what, yes. that's, that's what that's what the show quick is. Disney takes so. at Disney takes. Uh, you'll get clips, highlights of the show, some other fun stuff. Um, same thing. Instagram at Mouse and Castle. Um, more content going up there, but you know, as we can, we try our best. We we try, but you know, <laughs> I mean, we really just do this so we can hang out and talk about Disney. <laughs> That's true. That is that if is. If other people want to listen, that's their prerogative. That's that's your problem. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you can do that, Aaron. Any any plugs for the show? Any uh any places you want folks to find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at Av Goins on various social medias and uh, my other podcast, Star Wars Bookworms. Nice. Still going strong. Doing book reviews over there. Some recent <laughs> recaps of uh, my time at Star Wars Celebration. Nice. And then uh and then Bad Wolf Radio, which is my Doctor Who podcast. A lot of stuff going on in Doctor Who world right now. Oh yeah? Doctor, yeah. New Doctor coming. So there's a lot of mm. news around that. So definitely uh if you if you're interested in Doctor Who, check was, out my... didn't they just announce the new doctor? I or am I just getting they have old? announced they have announced him, but uh there's still a regeneration coming. The current doctor has to regenerate. There's they just brought back mm-hmm. uh one of the old doctors to come back for the sixtieth anniversary special. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot going on in the Doctor Who world. Yeah. So no, well, and I, as as you know, I, I've been tracking all of that. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You know, you know your Doctor. It's just for the listeners, it, you know. If you didn't it's, know, <laughs> it's the one thing that I'm into that Disney doesn't own yet. But uh, well, Do- Doctor Who and Harry Potter. But we'll see. It's probably only a matter of time. <laughs> Uh, that's so true that's so true uh yeah well uh follow aaron there uh, check out the podcast and uh hey i'll my one plug will check out um i've actually posted a couple youtube videos i'm going through my sort of archive of uh footage last year was kind of crazy i never had time to make my fun little travel videos so if you're into that kind of thing um the most recent one i posted is actually um well actually i say posted it's still i'm still cutting together but by the time this comes out um i will be very soon posting um, our last trip to Disney World prior to literally like the day before uh, flying across the world to where I'm stationed now in Korea. Uh, we did a last little Disney trip, got to hit up Magic Kingdom. We hit up uh, Splash Mountain one last time. So we had to uh, make sure that, that we know <laughs> we got to experience it because by the time we get back to the States, I'm sure they'll be well under construction. So uh, you can check that out. It's just search for Riley Blanton on YouTube. That's going to wrap this show, man. Unless I'm forgetting anything, I think we got to say, may the force be with you. Although we literally didn't even talk about Star Wars this week, but you know. Is there anything patriotic, you know, know. we got fireworks this weekend. I don't know. A salute to all countries, (laughs) but mostly America. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever seen Disney fireworks uh, for 4th of July? I I have not. No, I got to, they did a great fireworks show here, like on the flight line. Uh, which was really cool. It felt like they they served beer 
And we saw fireworks. They had hot dogs and root beer floats. I, I miss America so much right now. <laughs>